You're listening to The College Loop, your number one podcast for Auburn sports, talking all things orange and blue every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Hey, you know what to do. You're grown. You know what's right. 19, 16, I I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop 8A Madness Day 3. No Harrison Tarr today because he is calling a softball game for Mercer and Georgia Tech right now, and uh, he's having a lot of fun. I quoted him on Twitter. Uh, He called something a wild pickle. So that's a, that, was a, that was a great call. But you can see I'm also joined by my co-host, Daniel Locke, and first-timer on the college loop, Mr. Lance Daw. You probably already know him uh, from Locked On Kentucky. He's been on Locked On Auburn and, of course, the Auburn Daily Show. He's my Monday co-host, really the host, because he really holds my hand as we uh, <laughs> go through those episodes. But, Lance, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, Dylan. How about you? I'm doing just fine. And, Daniel, how you doing? Couldn't be better. Uh, beautiful uh, Tuesday afternoon on the plains. Feeling pretty good. Yeah. And uh, talk about something not so beautiful. Auburn has had kind of a rough patch of years with the in the wide receiver position. But seems like this year, maybe the wide receivers look a little bit better. Uh, you have players like Camden Brown, Coy Moore, Nick Mardner, Javarius Johnson, Landon King, Tarveris Dawson, and, of course, Jay Fair who is a part of a little bet between Mike G and Lance Daw. So, Lance, you want to make that public at all, that that little bet? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to apologize. I'm like 90% sure I was muted whenever I went to speak a second ago, so I want to apologize for that. Second of all, um, yeah, so Mike G and I, uh, a couple of Auburn practices ago, we're sitting out there watching Jay Fair, and Mike G, not just this offseason, but I, I think since Fair got here, has been kind of hyping him up. Uh, as a receiver at Auburn and I said uh, that I would be willing to make a bet with him about Jay Fair's catches uh, that he gets this season because I I just think that there's so much talent in this receiver room that Fair may be one of the one of the guys that's potentially left behind and uh, we put it at 10 catches is that a little low possibly but I, I think it's more for the entertainment value and I think the bet here is the loser of this bet if Jay Fair has more than 10 catches uh, then I will have to wear a T-shirt that has Jay Fair's face on the front uh, and then his stat line on the back. And then if Mike G loses, then he will have to wear <laughs> the same shirt uh, with whatever statistics he has to 10 catches or less. So, uh, Or if, if he gets 10, then it's a push. So, yeah, that's my bet with Mike G. And worst part about it is, Dylan, it's already looking like Jay Fair. I mean, even with some of these receiver injuries, I mean, he's worked his way up to the second team. And Freeze has said as much about how, you know, it's not necessarily a uh, number one and number two rotation right now. So you could see Jay Fair easily get 20 catches this upcoming season. You could see me with a new shirt. Yeah, it's going to be really funny to see that uh, on the Auburn Daily Show. But out of the wide receiver core, you know, I'm also going to add in Malcolm Johnson and Amari Kelly into the mix as well. Auburn goes pretty deep in that wide receiver room. And a lot of these guys, uh, I want to say aside from well, maybe Javarius Johnson's probably the most uh, coveted receiver because he led Auburn in receiving yards last year. A uh, bit of a question mark. 
which of these guys are you expecting a big season out of in the first year of the Hugh Freeze, uh, Philip Montgomery era? Well, I think there's two guys that kind of jump off the page to me because of what Hugh Freeze's track record is and what he's brought in on this roster. So uh, as we, you and I have talked about at length, Dylan, on the Auburn Daily Show, just about how Hugh Freeze has really utilized well big, tall, you know, strong-framed receivers uh, in the past at Ole Miss. And uh, he had a couple of different guys at Liberty as well that were very talented, that were just bigger-bodied guys. And you look at a guy that was already on roster before he got here, Camden Brown, and then you look at a guy like Nick Marner. Uh, somebody that has been transfer has transferred in uh, and has made his way into the first team, I, I assume, offense in these pacing drills. Marner at six six, uh, and then you look at uh, you look at Cam Brown at six three. I mean, these are two guys that Dylan uh, we have been kind of waiting for uh, an emergence at the wide receiver position since I think Seth Williams left in two thousand and twenty, waiting for one of these bigger outside receivers to kind of you know, show themselves and show the ability to kind of consistently win some of these 50-50 balls. And I think Nick Mardner uh, could be a guy that you may see Auburn go to. They literally just posted a highlight clip of him scoring a receiving touchdown, going up over DJ James, might I add, who we're probably going to talk about later and making a catch uh, throw from Robbie Ashford there. But uh, him or Camden Brown, I think, could be somebody that you see not uh, take a big step forward, I think, for sure, from Brown. And then you, you look at Nick Mardner. I mean, he's already had – uh, 900-plus yard rece uh, receiving season uh, during his time at Hawaii. Would it necessarily be a, a bigger step forward? Possibly because of the change of the stage and obviously it, it being the SEC and it being more uh, of a competitive environment. But I, I definitely think you could see Mardner or Camden Brown. I, I'll go Brown here just because he's somebody that was on the roster and could take a step, uh, step forward as somebody that we could really see as a breakout player, that's sure that could be one word to describe him. But I, I like what you said there about just taking a big step forward. I think Brown could be somebody that we see uh, his production jump uh, significantly. Yeah. And uh, you brought up the uh, highlight reel posted by the Auburn social media is might we add who the quarterback was that threw that, uh, that little dime to Nick Martin in the end zone. I believe it, he's wearing a number nine Jersey, Mr. Ashford, right? Beautiful throw from Robbie Ashford. And if you'll also notice, so the top comment on Instagram, I went to go check the comments out to see if anybody was gassing up Ashford because I, I couldn't find, I could find very few comments about it. But the top comment is like, did we just get a flag thrown on the offensive line? I went back and looked and there was a flag thrown as Robbie was, was making that throw. It was on Batty. I'm like 90% sure it was on Brian Batty in the backfield. So not his fault, not his fault, but a beautiful throw from Ashford nonetheless. Yeah, and uh, talk about Nick Marner a lot. Uh, Daniel, I'm going to have to bring you into this because you you had Nick Marner on your top breakout transfers uh, in February or j early January, actually. You had him at one of those, yeah. Uh, and uh, we both had Brian Batie on there as well. But I got to speak about how you kind of called Nick Marner kind of breaking out before uh, spring practice started. So, what did you see in Nick Marner that apparently me and Tar didn't see right off the bat? Yeah. So, I just. Honestly, I just really liked his frame. Um, six five, six six on uh, one of those, I think. Uh, I just I feel like it's been a little while since Auburn's had like a tall receiver like that. I can't remember off the top of my head how tall Seth Williams was. Um, I think Seth Seth was six two. I think the last tallest receiver I can remember uh, would be probably Darvin Adams. Okay. So yeah. So I just I'm a big fan of tall receivers that like Lance said can go up and get those 50-50 balls. So just kind of watching some film of him from his time as a Bearcat, I was just like, okay, I like this guy's frame. 
uh, I really think uh, Coach Freeze and Coach Montgomery can do something here. Yeah, and a uh, big thing about Nick Martyr is the fact that not only is he a go-up-and-get-it type guy, he's also – he'll beat you deep as well. He's uh, got sure. that sneaky speed. And you look at it from a playing style, and you look at another team, uh, the TCU Horned Frogs, who also jumped from a 5-7 and seven team to a national championship contending team. Auburn went 5-7 and seven last year. Uh, leave that to the imagination of what I'm insinuating there. Quinton Johnston on that team was 6'6 and around the same weight as Nick Marner and has all the same capabilities, potential that Nick Marner has. Uh, both, uh, I think they're around the same weight, they run the same speed. And Auburn has not had one of those, a guy like that in, uh, since 2011 uh, when Darvin Adams was on the team. And I believe he was around 6'5, 6'6 as well. Uh, I would have counted Sal Canella, but he was also a tight end. So I'm not going to count him in this uh, in this comparison. But what Nick Marner's brought, the film kind of eludes a lot of people because he wasn't utilized like he probably should have been at Cincinnati. But it also comes from the fact that Cincinnati was dealing with what Auburn might be dealing this offseason, and that's poor quarterback play from both Ben Bryant and Evan Prater, who's more of a young guy on Cincinnati. And I don't know if Cincinnati really fixed that. I know this is an Auburn podcast, but Cincinnati probably didn't fix that with Henry Jones going to, going to Ohio. Uh, but... Nick Marner, yeah, and uh, I'm going to, have to build off what Lance said with Camden Brown. He's been my uh, biggest talking point about when I'm talking about a breakout player. It's Camden Brown, Camden Brown, Camden Brown, because we, we Auburn has not seen a guy this athletic since Seth Williams. Uh, last year, the best wide receivers Auburn had were slot guys, and you had Javarius Johnson lined up on the outside, and uh, that's why he only had 400 yards uh, receiving. That's because he can't go up and get it. Auburn needs a guy like that, especially with the question marks at quarterback. And it kind of builds onto that. And you look at other guys, uh, Landon King, who we haven't heard a lot of great things about this, this spring uh, from the 40 minutes that we get to watch. Uh, but yes, uh, yesterday, yeah, a lot of drops uh, from Landon King, a lot of really bad drops that should have been caught and, with Camden Brown and Nick Marner as your two big guys, you kind of hope Landon King steps it up a little bit throughout a day as well. With this, which is coming up, and going down the list, all the Landon King's Auburn's last tall wide receiver on the depth chart after Nick Marner and Camden Brown, because I I don't think is Jay Fair. Jay Fair's like what six foot six one five ten five ten, ten. five ten. ten. Yeah. Well, the short king myself, I gotta gotta add a couple inches. Uh, <laughs> me, me and Wendell Green are both uh, in the five eleven, six foot range. If you count our hair, of course. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to kind of move along to another pass catching uh, position, tight ends. Uh, this has been a position that Auburn has not really had a really outstanding player at since I want to say Cedo Uzama, and even then, I don't think his Auburn tape was all that impressive. Uh, I mean, he had. Three touchdowns is probably his most he's had in a season. And before that, uh, you had 2011 with Philip Wilson-Kirkin, who had five touchdowns – or he had seven touchdowns throughout 2011 and five touchdowns in 2010. Auburn's not had that kind of progression from a tight end since 2011. And you see – if you look at the team that just won their second national championship in a row, uh, who's, who's the top receiver on uh, the Georgia Bulldogs? Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers, who is a tall, strong, athletic tight end. And if you looked at the NFL as well, all the best teams have one of those guys. 
the Super Bowl teams was Dallas Goddard versus Travis Kelsey. And the NFC Championship, you had George Kittle. Uh, the tight end is such an important position nowadays that, especially if you look at Hugh Freeze's past, he almost had a he had a Mackey Award semifinalist with Evan Ingram in, uh, in one of his last few years there. And you look at this depth chart, Rivaldo Fairweather, Luke Deal, Tyler Fromm, Brandon Frazier, Micah Riley-Ducker. People don't really talk about how kind of loaded the tight end room is. I mean, you you know what you're going to get with Luke Deal. You know what you're going to get with Tyler Fromm. You've seen these guys. They've been playing since, what, 2009, uh, 2009, 2008, somewhere around there is when they got yeah, here. I was about to say, I think about 08 is whenever both of them hopped on the train. So, <laughs> Yeah. And uh, after Shink left, it kind of left a big hole, but picked up with Rivaldo Fairweather. But we heard from Hugh Freeze yesterday, it's probably the most consistent pass catcher that they've seen all spring. So, Lance, I'm going to ask you. What have you been hearing besides the consistent part? What have you been hearing about Rivaldo Fairweather's utilization in this offense? Well, I definitely think it's probably going to be. Uh-oh, did, uh oh, <laughs> I believe the internet might have died on uh, on Lance's end. Uh, <laughs> that's not good. Uh, but uh, whenever we get him back, uh, Daniel, go ahead and talk about Rivaldo Fairweather for a little bit. Sure. So the um, tight end transfer out of Florida International University is a four-star rated transfer per 24-7 sports and one of the highest rated transfers um, that Auburn has in this class. I can't remember exactly where. I want to say he's top 30. So tight end was definitely a position that needed to see some improvement. So, you know, adding Fairweather to the roster really kind of helps achieve that goal. Um, <laughs> and... um you know, like like you said, just consistent tight end play. It just tight ends weren't they're they're more used for blocking in Gus's system. Um, the first year of Harson, we saw a lot of John Samuel Shanker targets. Um, this past year, not so much. Uh, Shanker was mainly used as a blocker. So, just you know, Freeze has always relied on tight ends. They've been a very big part of his offense. Like look at guys like Evan Ingram at Ole Miss. Uh, when Freeze was there. So that's just kind of something that I really feel like that's the first thing Freeze really wanted to do in the portal was grab a tight end that he believed could like really make a difference. And I feel like that's what he's done with Fairweather. Yeah, I got a uh, little, there's there's Lance. His computer uh, may or may not have blue screened. So that's, uh, that's always fun uh, for him as he is joining back in. But yeah, you brought up a great point with Rivaldo Fairweather. Uh, Hugh Freeze has utilized quarterback or he utilized tight ends his entire coaching career, and we saw it with Evan Ingram. Uh, he just missed out on Dawson Knox, uh, becoming a great tight end at Ole Miss. Uh, and the way I see it is with Rado Fairweather, he can do it all. Uh, he can line up on the outside if you need him to. He's probably he's the fastest tight end on the field that Auburn has, and he has the best hands too. Uh, nothing. I I don't really. I think that he only gets. Uh, measured out with Michael Riley Ducker's potential, really, because you know when Iowa wants a tight end, you know they pretty much get every tight end they want. They're tight end you for a reason. And Michael Riley Ducker chose Auburn over Iowa. And Rivaldo Fairweather, I think that it gives Michael Riley Ducker a lot of potential growing ability because he can learn under a tight end who has been there before, who has put up the stats, and. 
uh, Lance, I'm gonna let you finish your finish what you were saying. Uh, so what have you been hearing about Ravado Fairweather? Because we've been talking, he's a huge talking point. Everybody loves him. And he looks like he might, could be a Mackey winner. Thoughts? Yeah, I definitely think he should be in the conversation. Apologies, because my computer for some reason had a seizure. Uh, yeah, you're looking at a guy like Rivaldo Fairweather. I think the word uh, aggressive is probably the word I want to stick with here whenever it comes to not just talking about him as a pass catcher for the Tigers, but I also think in terms of volume, we're going to see Auburn aggressively pursue Rivaldo Fairweather. I think for from here on out in the Hugh Freeze era, you've been talking about all these different tight ends still and on the roster. You've got guys like Brandon Frazier, who is entering his senior season, Mike Riley Ducker, who's going to be here for years to come. <laughs> Excuse me. From here on out, I think you're going to see the Tigers consistently have not not it's no longer going to be a safety valve, I, I think, at, at tight end. I think that's a word that John Samuel Schenker was described as or a term that was used to describe uh, John Samuel Schenker was was a safety valve, somebody Auburn could rely on. I think it's going to become a, not necessarily the focal point, but certainly more of a focal point of Hugh Freeze offenses for the Tigers for years to come. And Rivaldo Fairweather, I think in terms of catches, I think in terms of yards, in terms of touchdowns, uh, I think he's going to be probably the biggest threat Auburn has had at tight end, maybe this, uh, maybe ever. Uh, as you mentioned there, potential Mackey Award winner, uh, if Auburn truly does feel like they need some help uh, with this receiver core, because Freeze has said as much, he said, you know, the receivers still have a really long way to go. You know, they're starting to still figure out how to do uh, certain things when it comes to alignment and spacing. They're trying to get this new system installed in, and, and apparently it's taking a little bit longer than they expected it to. So guys like Rivaldo Fairweather for now, guys like Michael Riley Ducker in the future, and then whoever Auburn maybe wants to bring in, maybe I believe Martavis Collins, who is currently committed to Ohio State, if I'm not mistaken, he's a guy that Auburn is still pursuing heavily at tight end. That could be a guy that you see in the future. So this is not necessarily going to be, like you said, for Iowa. It's a pipeline place for, for tight ends. But Auburn, under Hugh Freeze, will have guys like Rivaldo Fairweather step up consistently for years to come. And for this season, asking what he can do uh, for the Tigers, I think he can be. Uh, I, I think it could be somebody that leads the team in catches. And I don't really think that that's like a hot take at this point, to be honest with you, with the way that he's been discussed. I mean, if you look at it from a positional standpoint, tight ends are usually seen as a safety valve for most quarterbacks, especially of the dual threat variety. And it looks like under the Hugh free system, uh, you are going to have two dual threat guys. Uh, we've talked about how Holden Jarner can make those plays with his legs. And uh, that was something that we thought was going to be a little bit of a stretch with him as if he, can he get out of the pocket? Can he make a, make a, can he run the ball if he needs to do that? Well, Robbie Ashford, I think Auburn would have been uh, helped a little bit more if he was given a safety valve in tight and a tight end. Cause you look at, I'm keep going to the NFL because the NFL is so, so tight and heavy. When Patrick Mahomes is running around, who is he looking for? He's looking for Kelsey, Lamar Jackson, same thing with him. He's looking for Mark Andrews. And it's going to go on for years to come because the tight ends are, is such an important position nowadays that right now Auburn is behind a lot of other teams. Uh, I don't want to say that Cameron Latu is this all-time great tight end, but he really helped Bryce Young uh, become Bryce Young. Helped get, he helped him get that Heisman. And when a quarterback is looking around, can't find an open guy anywhere, the tight ends are usually where you want to go with that. And Rivaldo Fairweather gives you that. And he also gives you that break break tackle ability. He's an agile guy. He's fast. I don't 
think that you could ask for a better pickup in the transfer portal at, at that position than what you got Rivaldo Fairweather. And yeah, absolutely. You you mentioned Law too. I, I I pulled up his, his game logs from this past season. Uh, just to kind of emphasize your point here, and their biggest games last season, Latu was a favorite target of Bryce Young. Against Tennessee, he had a a season-high six catches. Against Texas, he had four. Against LSU, he had five or three for 50 yards. Against Kansas State in the bowl game, he had five for 54 yards and a touchdown. Whenever Auburn, or excuse me, whenever Alabama needed a safety valve, whenever Young needed somebody to kind of be there as that old reliable, Latu stepped up. How... Fairweather looks in this offense. I, I I think you'll see similar things uh, for whoever whoever's under center. Uh, like you said, if it's Garen or if it's Ashford, if it's somebody in the portal, uh, I think Auburn will find themselves being very thankful that they were able to land Fairweather uh, in through the transfer portal uh, this season. I definitely think he's going to contribute, and I don't want to say win some games for Auburn, but he's definitely going to keep them in them. Oh, for sure. And uh, just to add a little a little quote graphic for me give me your predicted stat line um it could be just yards and touchdowns for Rivaldo Fairweather oh yeah well I definitely think let's see you're thinking 30-ish receptions just on average for like a good tight end yeah, yeah I'll say I'll say 35 receptions minimum uh for, for for Fairweather this season I think that that's a fair place to to put him I'll say 500 plus yards, and you may say that's a hot take. No receiver on Auburn's roster eclipsed 500 last year, so it'd be something that they haven't seen uh, since 2020. So yeah, I'll say 500 yards, easy, and then touchdowns. Man, you haven't really seen any Auburn tight end get involved with touchdowns. I'll I'll say eight. I'll say eight plus. I think this kid will be uh, somebody that you rely on in all parts of the field. There was this clip. I meant to send it to you, Dylan. This kid doesn't have just like safety valve hands and somebody that maybe you can go to in the red zone, this, that, and the other. This kid's got speed. There was one play at FIU last season where he was thrown a ball on either some type of tight post or a seam, and he caught it over the shoulder, and he was gone. It was FIU's longest play of the year last season. It's some legitimate speed that he's got. So I I definitely think that Auburn's got a weapon there that they can utilize in a lot of different ways. You notice what Hugh Free said in the press conference, Dylan, he said that he's probably this A-Day not going to be showing a lot of things that Auburn's really good at or potentially really good at that they're going to utilize this fall. If we don't see Fairweather have a crazy game in the spring game, maybe that's a good thing. I'll just say that. Maybe that's a good thing. I mean, yeah, you're right. If he said don't expect too much from A-Day, I expect that means Rivaldo Fairweather won't be on the field because from what you said, they're nowhere where they want to be on both sides of the ball. Uh, but Daniel. What do you what do you think about Rivaldo Fairweather? What's the stat line going to be in twenty twenty three? Um, you know, I guess just kind of a, like good, you know, 30, 35, 40 on the high side receptions. Um, sprinkle in four or five touchdowns and yards. I don't know, maybe like four or five hundred. If that math adds up, yeah, sounds that sounds good to me. Yeah, I think I'll go like I'm going to go a nice thirty two receptions for about I want to say I'm gonna get a little specific 495 yards and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go six touchdowns which would be one would be the best tight end season out of everything we just said that's we've all predicted him to have the best tight end season Auburn has seen since Philip Wilson Kirk uh, easy and I think that's, that is high praise yeah man I don't, I don't think anyone gets as much love 
or as Philip Watson Kirkin did in his time and rest in peace to him. Uh, he was, he gave me some of my happiest days as an Auburn fan. Uh, but sort of going to move on from the past catchers to the past defenders, this DB room. We talk about how the wide receiver room full of possible breakout players, a bunch of guys who have a lot of potential who Auburn fans and the coaches don't really know what they have in those receivers. But you look over to the defense side of the ball of guys covering these guys, defensive back, both corner and safeties loaded from head to toe loaded. You have DJ James, Nemai Pritchett, both returning who would have gotten drafted this season, this, this draft. Kyan Lee, who has been popping off as a true freshman. Jalen Simpson, who's returned. Keontae Scott. Sadly, J.D. Rim is injured now for the spring. But safety-wise, Donovan Kaufman, Caden Bridges, Caleb Wooten, Austin Osbury, Marquise Gilbert, Craig McDonald, and Zion Puckett has returned as well. So, Lance, what can we expect to see from this defensive back room under Ron Roberts' defense? I'm glad that you mentioned Rod Roberts and his scheme here, because I think something that has been the point of emphasis for me and then a point of emphasis for a lot of different people talking about this scheme is that, well, Ron Roberts at Baylor was good at two things that Auburn really struggled with last year, and that was stopping the run and creating turnovers. So I think that the expectation is, well, Auburn is going to therefore significantly improve either in one or both of those categories and likely people are excited about what's going to go on with this front seven. I don't think it's been discussed enough just how good this secondary could be underneath Wesley McGriff in this Ron Roberts system. Do I think Ron Roberts is the most elite defensive coordinator out there? No, but do I think that he has the ability to take this talent and to make it really, really good at what it used to be under Kevin Steele? Absolutely. Like you mentioned, I think that this is a great blend of experience and, and, and newcomer and newcomer talent. You look at guys like Kay and Lee, uh, who you mentioned Harrison Tarr here on the college loop, absolutely adores, very excited about him. I am ecstatic uh, about what he could bring to the Tigers for years to come. Like you mentioned as well, uh, DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, two senior cornerbacks uh, that are back for the Tigers, Jalen Simpson, who could end up playing a little bit more safety as well this year. Also a senior, Donovan Kaufman's back, Zion Puckett's back, Marquise Gilbert is somebody that's apparently emerging as some type of box safety for the Tigers. I mean, they've got weapons. They've got weapons for this year, and then I think they've got weapons for years to come. Also, you mentioned next year, you talk about the cornerbacks in the future. Next year's class, Amon Lane and Jaden Lewis, two four-star corners that have already been added to this new, uh, this new 2024 cycle. So Auburn in the defensive backfield for seasons to come, uh, I, I think we'll be pretty set if they continue to do uh, what they have been doing both on the recruiting trail now and, and, and previous years. But yeah, you look at last year's team. I mean, statistically, it's one of Auburn's better secondaries that they've had. They were 10th in the SEC in, in yards, uh, passing yards per game. Uh, but I think they were really solid overall in, in yards per attempt. I believe they were tied for fourth there. Completion percentage is also an area that they were solid in. It's about creating those turnovers and then I think the yards per play, not giving up those chunk plays, the explosive plays, which in turn has to do with how your defensive line gets pressure. Uh, that was an occasional problem last season. So this secondary, they've got the pieces. DJ James should be one of the, if not the best uh, pro prospect that Auburn has on roster for next year, uh, maybe outside of a couple different pieces. I'm sure that's a, a conversation you guys will have 
both before and after the season uh, here on the college loop, but DJ James and then Pritchett, who I think has the ability to take a step forward and kind of improve uh, upon what has been a, a solid, but not elite uh, career. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Auburn's got the pieces. They've got depth. This may be the best position group on roster. Um, you could probably talk me into a couple of other places, but I think that this is easily uh, identified as a strength, uh, even for a team that finished five and seven last year, heading into this season. Uh, uh, Jarquez Hunter, Demari Alston, Jeremiah Cobb might have a little something to say about that too. If what you I was think. about to say is the running back room is the only other one that I can think that has like true competition with the secondary. I mean, they're both very solid. And you bring up Nimai Pritchett. Yeah, I think he's one of those players that really stepped up after uh, the firing of Brian Hartson. I, I think he's one of those players that when you look at people who stepped up after uh, when Cadillac started his interim uh, head coaching career, Nimai Pritchett is one of those top guys you that he locked down defenders and what he struggled in the first half of that season. And you look at Ron Roberts's stats at Baylor in 2019. I looked at, looked it up uh, 17 interceptions from that defense in 2019 for the Baylor bears. And Auburn probably had, I think two interceptions last year, uh, two or three, but it took, I, I think, well, I know two of, for a fact, Owen Papo and Derek Paul got those two. And I don't think the defensive backs really put up that much uh, right after that. Uh, but I look at it from the standpoint of Baylor's defense in 2019 was so aggressive up front and in the back half too, that it was able to make quarterbacks look stupid. Uh, you try to, you try to make a throw over to the left side. And I believe what's his name? Uh, Grayland Arnold, who is now with the Houston Texans had six interceptions that season. And I talk about with Zach Blackerby. I talk about with Tar. When I look at DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett, I see the next coming of Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. Like, and you look at DJ James more refined as a as a man guy. I see Carlton Davis a lot in that. And yep. Jamel Dean was more of the building block. He was like he's on the other side of Carlton Davis. Not not as great as Carlton Davis was, but whenever he plays his best, he's he's unstoppable or. I guess immovable is the word for defense. Fair. But yeah, when I when I look at when I look at DJ James and Nima Pritchard, I see Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean 2.0 right there. And it just goes deeper than that. Uh Kyan Lee has been playing out of his mind. And it's crazy to think about. I don't think Auburn's ever had a true freshman defensive back really step up. Like Kyan Lee has this the spring. Whenever you think about an Auburn defensive back as a as a freshman. You're usually looking upon them like, oh, well, he gives up a lot of yards, but he's a freshman. He's got potential. Uh, and you look at it, but Kyan Lee is different. And uh, when Harrison Tarr uh, found out we got him, he was over the moon. And we found out why uh, Tarr called it. Uh, and we've been saying all, all along, Kyan Lee is going to be a stud. And I'm assuming he's more of the outside, more of an outside guy, but. Yep. What does the dream rotation look like in a four-two-five defense? So you have the four, the three defensive linemen, the jack linebacker, the two linebackers in the middle, and then you have your five defensive backs with three corners, two safeties. What does the dream rotation look like back there? 
over here staring at my complete guide to the hybrid 425 book that I have sitting over here. That's not even a bit. I'm dead serious. I, I, I do love the scheme that Ron Roberts is going to run. Uh, the dream rotation here, I, I think it does start with DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett uh, on, the, on the outside there. Uh, if you're looking inside at safety, I think Donovan Kaufman. And then to be completely honest with you, Jalen Simpson is somebody that I want to see act more or, or become more involved in the rotation there at safety. Uh, the Tigers are just so strong at outside corner that I think giving an opportunity to Kay and Lee to kind of be that cornerback number three uh, will, will definitely be awesome. Because J.D. Rim, like you mentioned, is injured, Lee has been that cornerback number three uh, through spring. He is more of an outside guy. Giving him that third spot, letting uh, letting Marquise Gilbert maybe be a, a backup safety that you're looking at that you're uh, hoping will continue to develop along as he as he uh, as he has so far this spring. Austin Osbury and Zion Puckett and Caden Bridges. I'm not quite sure what that rotation between those three guys will look like as the backup safeties, but I can only imagine that they'll get a little bit of run as well. The thing that I keep coming back to though, Dylan, with Kay and Lee. And the reason why I'm so excited about him, and I think that he will find his way into this rotation and make an impact for the Tigers, you notice guys like Carlton Davis in the past, whenever they came into Auburn, did you notice what was kind of funny about their freshman season is that they didn't fin- they didn't have the same number that they finished their career with. They, he, Carlton Davis, if I'm not mistaken, he came in as like number 38 or something weird in his freshman yeah. and he they had to earn that. Right. 36. They, they had to earn that. They had to get to that point. And there are a couple of cornerbacks that are currently slipping my mind that had the same thing happen to him. Kay and Lee came in day, day one and got number three. He got number three, uh, which, which is, a, is a pretty highly coveted number, I would argue. So there's a lot of respect I think this coaching staff has for this kid, uh, just as far as what his playmaking, playmaking ability could be coming out of high school. And man, Look at him out there. He's got the thick arm sleeve on. He looks comfortable in what he's doing. He looks confident. Uh, and that's what you want out of your DBs, man. So, yeah, I think it's DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, Donovan Kaufman, Jalen Simpson, potentially as your as your other safety there. And then Kay and Lee as your cornerback number three. That's my dream rotation, man. And then everybody behind them, not to say that they're that they are they're bad or anything, but they're just adding on to what is already very, very solid depth. And Daniel. When we talk about Kai and Lee, we talk about him a lot on this show, and you know that we do. Uh, if we had a nickel for every time we heard Kai and Lee on the show, we'd be pretty daggone rich. So <laughs> what have you been thinking about Kai and Lee since his entrance on the Plains? Um, I've been impressed. Uh, he looks good. He looks like he knows what he's doing. Um, like Lance said, he's number three. Um, as, as Coach Prime said, you don't get a single digit unless you're that guy. So um, evidently someone thinks he's that guy, which kind of just validates what we've been saying on the college loop since our first show t- uh, two days before Christmas um, or three, one of those two. Anyway, that's a precise point. Um, yeah, Kylie is going to be good, and I really can't wait to uh, watch him. Yeah. And what other defensive backs are you excited to see in uh, 2023, Daniel? Uh, that's a good question. Besides um, DJ and Nehemiah Pritchett, I'm going to go and take those away from you. Because those, those two easy answers. Um, I don't have the hold on. Um, while I'm pulling those up, just very very excited for kindly as well as Keontae Scott. That's gonna be a good one. JD Rhyme. I know he's hurt right now, but he'll be back soon enough, and they're gonna make a difference, and they're gonna be much improved from what we saw last year. Yeah, and. 
uh, I just Lance just cut out again. So might have to hopefully he gets back before the show ends because we only got like a few more minutes. But yeah, you look at other guys, uh, Keontae Scott. Hopefully he steps up more in the uh, pass coverage room because uh, when you look at his other position that he he was playing uh, last season, it was kick returner, punt returner, and he mm-hmm. kind of had a couple bad stretches with that. And looking at the safety room, I've been hearing some good words about a lot of these guys. Uh, Caleb Wooden, the other Wooden brother, uh, the other one going to the NFL. Caden Bridges has been getting some positive reimbursement. Haven't heard a lot about Austin Osbury or Zion Puckett, but I've heard Craig Mm. McDonald, the uh, transfer from, I believe, Iowa uh, last season, has been kind of picking it up after he missed most of last season, or at least didn't play. Do you want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money as well. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all, and I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Lance, you in here? Yeah, man, I'm sorry, man. This is, um, I am perplexed by what is going on with my computer this is literally i've literally never had to do this before you're all good but you know what lance we're gonna before the computer cuts off again i'm gonna let you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you love it support you read your stuff all that jazz yes sir absolutely uh, apologies for the way this has gone today you can follow me on twitter at lancedall underscore you can also follow all my written work over at auburndaily.com you can check out the auburn daily show where dylan and i host it on mondays you can check that on youtube or wherever you get your podcast. You can also check out the Locked On Kentucky podcast if you hate yourself as an Auburn fan. Uh, that is wherever you get your podcast. I don't really know why you would want to go check out Kentucky basketball, but hey, listen, sometimes uh, we take it upon ourselves to uh, make some jokes uh, with and about the Auburn Tigers. So yeah, make sure you check us out there. All right, and Daniel, go ahead. Written work, literally six hours, long time going to a mall. Twitter, at Daniel J. Locke. And I'm Dylan Lark, at your boy the tank on Twitter. That's at Y-A-B-O-Y the tank. And we're about to get cut off in a little bit. But with all that being said, we don't have a MySpace, but follow us literally everywhere else. And this has been the College Loop 8A Madness Day 3.